listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Um, our theme music is a clip of Summer Nights by the Eric Jones Trio. It's provided by our friend Mark Chesanow, who plays with the Eric Jones Trio every Thursday and Sunday at Good Times Jazz Bar downtown. Welcome, everyone. Before our show, you were just listening to Pizza and Wine, and now you're here for Arts on the Air. I'm Tamara. I'm Melissa. And we're here with Joy Dunnigan. Welcome. Hi, girls. <laughs> nice so to be here this morning. Yeah, thank you. I want to read a little bit of your background from your site. It says, deeply connected to her southern roots, Joy's images reveal her endless intrigue and fascination with Georgia heritage and culture, mainly its sea islands and their dynamically stable surroundings. Beautiful. I wanted to ask you, um, did you first come to Savannah for SCAD? No, I'm actually born and raised here in Savannah. Oh, you're I one of the that. rarities. A you're a unicorn. <laughs> That's, yes, yes, a unicorn, exactly. <laughs> yes, I grew up here in Savannah, and I went to school in Savannah, so, you know, downtown was my playground. Really? In fact, it's been my playground all my life. Did you, you grew up downtown? Well, I didn't, well, so I went to school downtown. Okay. I actually grew up in Port Wentworth. Okay. Okay. And, you know, I, yep, and uh, went to Cathedral Day School, which is no longer existent, and then I went to St. Vincent's, okay. and then, of course, you know, SCAD by that time had really come about, but as most teenagers, I was insistent I had to get out of Savannah, Absolutely. Um, which was which was fine, because I, I didn't go that far. I went to Atlanta and spent okay. a year there at the Art Institute, and by that time, you know, such a different curriculum from what they had at SCAD at the time. I'm not yeah. sure what the curriculum's like now. I hope it's just as intense yeah, that's and the lovely. Yeah, SCAD took over at some point, right? Uh, I think they? that was this, um, the Atlanta College of Art is yes. what they took yes. over. But, um, you know, one was really intense. It was like, you know, two years or four years compressed into two years because it was like seven classes per quarter. But wow. it was nice to come home to, to SCAD because, well... It slowed things down a little bit, which I think um, when creating art, creating anything, you know, it's nice to have a bit of a methodical approach to it. And that, you know, um, four-year approach actually, you know, induces that, I think, you know, and it encourages, you know, to really think about what you're doing. So outside of the fact it was home, you know, the more I realized, wow, what a lovely place for an art yeah, school. I think, so. um, I think a lot of people would be go away for a while to a really busy, bustling place and you get a taste of that and then you can really appreciate Savannah. Absolutely. And especially the uh, the ability to parallel park. Um, people think I'm joking when I tell them that I can parallel, parallel park an aircraft carrier. I can on both sides of the street. That's impressive because I still haven't mastered it and I've lived here for like six years. Like I'm just like you know what? No, I, I'm not doing it. Well, we that, used to think like how we got a parking <laughs> spot at some point. Yes, basically for I used, me. I used to think how terrified maybe most of those homes were like right around St. Vincent's where we're all learning oh, still to yeah. park and they're like watching with their coffee in the morning going is she going to hit the car and uh, I I think we all probably tagged somebody if not each other but you know now I'm like a professional parallel parker so I love that you I mean the downtown you've seen so many changes that it used to just be sort of until the 90s it was like a ghost town downtown it was that's an amazing thing so it's nice to be a part of it and um, yeah very nice um, and you, at SCAD, you studied graphic design, right? Yes, BFA in graphic design. Did you take any photography classes while you were there? So my core curriculum, because I came in really early, I got lucky. I mean, I took my intro to photography with Pete Chrisman. 
Okay. And, you know, it's like, really, that's all you need right there. You're done. <laughs> because he was phenomenal. He was oh. phenomenal. Wow. Um, but, you know, my dad was a photographer, and wow. he also had... Um, he had a uh, film, what, a, a little small company that processed 60 millimeter film oh, wow. for, um, it's called Sports Film Services. He and his partner, Kerry Vansickle, used to, uh, in fact, I think it was Country Day School is who they used to go and film all of their their football games on Friday nights so that during the week, you know, all these football, they like to sit there and analyze what they're doing, what they're doing mm-hmm. right, wrong, and so on. So I, it's like I've been around, you know, something pho- photographic, photography-wise related. I'm like, I mean, I remember them, like, pro- they had their own processor for this thing. And I remember, like, these yeah. just miles of film. But <laughs> he did. shame that you feed the film. Yeah. Thing. And, yeah. of course, when I went to St. Vincent's, I played with, you know, I, I did black and white photography there, yeah, you know, through classes, cool. absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, photography is not really that far of a stretch for me yeah. when, when coming back to graphic design and how that incorporates together. How did you choose graphic design for your major? So, when I went to school in Atlanta, my, my major was actually in fashion illustration, which was odd that the core curriculum actually was more graphic design centric. And that's where I realized, I'm like, wow, I really kind of like this. And actually, that's when I started to realize that that's kind of what I've been doing anyway, ever since I was like 13 years old, just never knew what graphic design was. Mm -hmm. And I was actually pretty good at it. And I was one of the top students in the class. I was like, well, maybe we should, let's go there. I really do like it. I love it. So I pursued it. And um, I think probably Ben Morris at SCAD, you know, saying that, you know, a fashion illustrator, well, you, you may have better luck as an opera singer getting a job. <laughs> so that was kind of like a nice, you know, piece, of, yeah, a little nice piece yeah. of, you know, professional yeah. advice there. So, you know, I still had to take all of those core curriculum classes again with people like Ben and yeah. Pete. And, um, you know, it's like, how perfect can that be for a graphic design student where you have illustration and you have photography and you have yeah, all these together. raw materials, if you will, that's going to be your content mm-hmm. yeah. as you progress through your graphic design career. So. I wonder if like, the idea with the original program you were in was kind of making it more career focused. Like it they, was very, yeah, like they were like, it was well, like a crash let's, course. Let's just, uh, you know, fashion illustration, but let's bank on having something. <laughs> let's give you a backup. Yeah, let's give you something else. That's smart, actually. <laughs> Yeah. You know, when you think about it, but, yeah. <laughs> I think, and a lot of people, I think, um, who study graphic design maybe don't have any intro into making anything with their hands or doing anything fine already, and so their designs are just, like, very computery and very digital art, and I think it's really interesting to be a graphic designer who also comes to it with a little bit of a maker and artistic bent where your designs are going to incorporate something a little more. You know, I was lucky because when I went through the design program at SCAD, that was during the period of where digital technology was actually coming in and really starting to, to, to see that efficiency come into um, that part of that industry. But they were really big on teaching us how to do what we call supercomps. So yeah, I did all that little stuff when I was younger, but now I'm, I'm coming into a point where I, I actually physically have to make a book. 
I have to make something that looks like it's been printed because that's more than likely what you're going to present to the client to say, when we go to print, this is what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. So craftsmanship and assembly and mechanics of how you put something together. I mean, I still build my own envelopes because I'm like, it's too easy to build an envelope, you know, than to just go and buy one. I mean, you know, greatly depends on what it is, but if I need something special, that's what I will do. But I just had a... Oh, I use anything I can get my hands on that I think clicks, and that's the right thing. In fact, just this past week, um, I have a client here. I can't say who is locally because it's it's a proprietary project. But, I mean, I was building pockets for it and making sleeves for it. And I was like, this is so awesome. You know, it's off the computer, but it it required, you know, the the mindset of, okay, how does this thing architecturally go together? And then... Um, how does it all slide in? And then I got to put it together, and then yeah. I got to make sure it doesn't come apart. And it sounds that's so awesome. It was was good. it was it J Lo and Ben? Is that no, it was not. <laughs> it was not J Lo and Ben. I can I can confirm. No, I can confirm. It was not a wedding invitation or anything <laughs> insane. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, yeah. maybe next time. <laughs> I know it's, it's classified information. I can tell you, but then I have to kill you. Well, this is our last show. Though. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't hear from us, you know what. Darn that NDA. Told Darn that NDA. <laughs> okay, so so you worked in graphic design for quite a while, and then how did you transition into making well, photography? I'm, enough I'm still, you're still very much still working, working in graphic design, and in fact, it's interesting. I think only from the perspectives because. All artists, I don't know one artist that does one thing, Mm -hmm. you know. um, I refer to joy advertising, marketing, and design as the joy endowment for the arts. Because that's the job. That's, you know, that's what enables my, you know, me to do what I do. Mm -hmm. A photo point gallery, I mean, you know, yeah, there's profit involved, but it's not like having like a bona fide business where you've got clients and budgets and demands and deadlines and things of that sort. Um, So, because, you know, just creating fine art is inherent to me. You know, that's the evenings and that's the weekends. And, you know, that, that what I do during the day kind of pays for all those supplies. And I mean, you know, it all comes back eventually, but um, it's a progression. Any business is a progression. So whether I end up doing that only in the long run, well, you know, I'm just kind of like getting it warmed up right now and figuring it out. Because that's the other thing that's interesting with any business, um, you know, is there, there is a certain amount of figuring it out, how to make it work, how to make it tick, and yeah. how to be able to sustain a living off of it. 100%. Yeah. And each, each artist's business is so individualized. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had somebody ask me one time, you know, um, you know, do you know, how, do, you, do you make your living off of, you know, being in a gallery? And I'm like, no. I wish I, it, I might, did. it might be a collection of galleries, but it's yeah. never one gallery. Right, I mean, right. Yeah. You, know, it's you have just, to really spread your eggs out a lot. You do. Yeah. And then you, on top of it, you got to be selective and you got to be patient, you know, because you want your art to go into the right place and get the right attention so that, right. you know, yeah. if, if your time. selling it is, but you know, it's just all that appropriate stuff yeah. that you want to mm-hmm. factor in. Yeah. That's the kind of thing I think it, it yeah, it's, it's really interesting just as the years go on doing an art business, just how, because it's, it is such a balance of like, you do have to spread your eggs out and, and have income from a lot of different revenue sources, sounds so businessy, but then <laughs> as, as time goes on, you get to where you, you know which things to turn down and you don't have to take on literally everything, so mm-hmm. it's like a very slow build, it, like a, 
step stairs getting up to where you get it to where you want it. It's balanced, you know? Yeah. Well, it has to be nice to get to that point where you're like, I can say no to that because yeah. I don't need my art to be there, and that's not a right fit. Like, right. I, so yeah, good. that has to feel and good. And that's actually more on the on the advertising and marketing agency. And typically when we say no, it's, it's either it's just not, the project's just not the right fit for us, mm-hmm. or, you know, depending on what the production schedule looks like as to right. whether it can be done within the right. time frame they need it. So, you know, you have to be honest with your, you learn how, that you have to say no sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And you um, learn from things going wrong and then looking at it that, you know, I've never done that before, but I'm going to do that anyway. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's scary already to have to do something that maybe you've never done before, but then to not really know that the product you're going to end up with is going to be the ideal product. Right, and that's right. always the goal, too. Yes. Yeah. That, that brings you back sure to that feeling when you're in school and you have a big project due and you're like, all right, I'm going to bite off a big chunk and try for something new. And it's, you know, a couple days before the big thing is due and you're trying to bring it home and hope that you, like, all-nighter skills-wise <laughs> can do it. Yeah. That's interesting. No, I have to do the adult all-nighter. <laughs> It's not quite as easy once you get older. No, it's not. It is not, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, so you, you specialize your photos, um, you really specialize in these very uh, moody, atmospheric images of the various islands. Mm-hmm. How did you get into the islands specifically? Well, I've, um, I guess I've, having lived here in Savannah all my life, always been around the water. I mean, I've got family in South Carolina. We've always, you know, crabbed off the docks and swam off the docks in Buford and loved it. And, and of course, you know, we go to Tybee. I mean, we just, I've always been around the water here. So to me, I kind of feel like I have salt water in my veins yeah. and it won't ever leave. But, um, you know, when I met my, my husband, Greg, um, you know, I referred to him, he is my driver. He drives the boat out to these <laughs> islands because, you know, Tybee and St. Simons and Jekyll, you know, they're the ones you can get to by road, by right. bridge. But the other 10 are the ones that I'm really, really excited about because, not a lot of people have been there and not many people know about them not that that's a bad thing but um just living here being here feeling so close to that not just as a human being but as an artist um it's almost like there's a there's like a mission to bring a deeper meaning to why those places should stay exactly like they are because when you arrive you're completely taken by them and sometimes it's the serenity, the peacefulness, the tranquility, the fact that they are so wild and undeveloped, but yet there's wildlife, unlike you know your backyard. That there's um, nature and there's fresh air and there's you know history. There's yeah. just cultural history on those islands that not a lot of people realize. And there's so much to appreciate. I think when you get out to the islands. And then, of course, you know, in the case of Ossabaw, where we had, you know, an amazing woman named Sandy Tory West for many years who, um, she got that. She understood that. She realized the importance of it, and she preserved it. So, you know, now that, you know, she's gone, you know, as an artist, I kind of, you know, she really talked about her army of Ossabaw, you know, the Ossabaw army. I mean, that is very much almost the case with all the islands you know we do have to work hard to protect them so in that regard the photography is very documentary-esque but um 
So it's almost it's like a like a calling for you. It's like a public service. I love it. It's almost like you, I can't not not indulge in it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a little bit like trying to get just people in general who might not realize how beautiful they are and how important it is to protect them to get yeah. the awareness out there so that they think about it when they're you know voting or making decisions like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or what to fight for. Yeah. You know where it really is going yeah, to count. Yeah, where to put your money and your time. Yeah, where it's really going to count. In fact, we have a lot of individuals. Um, I know we haven't talked about it, but I'm also a member of the Kobo Gallery. A lot of the photography that I have on show there is some of that black and white. So it's an opportunity to talk to people, you know, when they see that main road on Cumberland, they're like, where is that? Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's the road to heaven. And I promise you that is exactly what it looks like because you're, you're at such ease. And, you know, you're, you're just, it's just so soothing and calm to be there. I mean, you don't feel lost. I mean, you actually feel like you really are probably more connected to the earth there than you will ever be anywhere else. And, um, well, so your, your gallery that you own is called Photo Point. And when right. I was reading on your website kind of about where the name came from, and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and it just made me think, it's like, so when you're visiting these islands over and over again and taking photos of them yeah. and just seeing how they're changing naturally, mm-hmm. like, I think that's beautiful, like, the idea yeah. of documenting the change of the the natural progression of these places. And it's, I, you know, I know a lot of people take climate change very, very seriously. And I mean, I suppose I do too, simply because of how I, you know, I want to make sure that nothing happens to these places and they stay yeah. like they are because they should be. But, you know, that it, I, I kind of giggle a little bit because, I mean, you know, the earth knows more about climate change than we ever, ever will. <laughs> and it's always been doing it. Yeah. I mean, it for the islands, you know, I've had, been lucky because when I, especially on Osabom, I've had the chance to go out with naturalists and to listen to someone talk who literally knows everything about everything that's going on around you, including the oxygen you're breathing. Wow. It makes you realize that that change is it's just natural. It's all about how we adapt to it and how we preserve the things that we love about it but it's it's small increments out there you know I mean they say that those islands move every single year they shift in yeah. like great amounts That's backwards and forwards but they refer to them as dynamically stable okay and I thought oh yeah, there's a name for a show right yeah. there, dynamic. Yeah. Because that's also the name for an autobiography. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I would like to use that as just like my descriptor now. Yeah. Dynamically stable. Your here, it's continuously changing. So it's oh, beautiful. Yeah, it is really beautiful. Do you? I mean, do you know when you look at old photos that you've taken? If you try to do the same image, do you ever notice things that have changed, like trees oh, of have course. come and gone? And Absolutely. Like that. Yeah. In fact, I find that that's probably a characteristic not just of myself, but a lot of the artists okay. I know that have been to Ottawa or any of the islands, they continuously return to the same places because it is fascinating to see what decision Mother Nature made during the hurricane last year. Mm-hmm. You know, now do we change the earth and shift it to go to the left instead of to the right? Is there water where there was land? Is there, you know, a tree that was there that's gone? Yeah. I mean, in fact, um, one of the photographs that I have uh, in the most recent um, Summer Nights show at Hospice um, there's actually a palm tree in that picture that's gone now. Oh. You know, so How it's always kind of like... You that, that picture was in 2018, 2017, 2018. Okay. So, I mean, just in that little short period of time, yeah. I mean, it's gone. Yeah, an entire tree. Completely gone, yeah. 
So, yeah. The, um, the image that you talked about a minute ago about a certain road on Cumberland Island, mm -hmm. I can't immediately conjure it up, but I'm wondering, is that sort of just like a more obscure version of like that classic Wormslow Avenue that everybody yeah. loves? Like, yes, but a little bit more condensed, okay. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not quite well as manicured. And yeah. that's, it, it, again, those islands, it's really about the wildness. And that's what I try to capture is that, no, not, well, th there's a couple of those islands people do have access to, mm -hmm. you know, outside of just having their own boat. Yeah. But, um, you know, it really is about showing people that those places still do exist. And that's the reason yeah. you should take care of them and treasure them and make sure nothing happens to them in the future. I recently went to Defusky Island for the first time. Oh, nice. And I guess that one is interesting. There's, like, a few people who live on it. Yeah, that's right. Nice. It's, like, separated. Like, there's, like, an area where people live. And then did you go to the abandoned, like... Um, no, I was just there in the like, evening. So resort that's the there? Edge. Like, there was yeah. this resort that's Pretty now scary. defunct. <laughs> and it... <laughs> Yeah, it's creepy. Wow. It's really scary. <laughs> did you take a golf cart to get into that, or what? Did, how did you? Can you just walk? You, you can drive. There. Yeah, you oh, can okay. drive there. So we, my husband and I, we actually have a piece of property on Debussy. Oh, cool. And no, we don't live there. Not yet. <laughs> the rate we're going, you know, we're just like maybe we should put a tiny house over there and just really just let it all go. But yeah, it's Defusky's interesting mm -hmm. because it is one of those islands that doesn't have a road or a bridge, and I don't think it ever was. My, my uncle, one of my uncle, great uncles, used to drive the ferry back and forth to pick up the kids every day. Wow. You know, so um, wow, yeah. that's what I mean by like I am just surrounded by water all my life. My family's been in, yeah. in it, so it's, it's not a stretch for me. Because I didn't grow up around water, like when I went out to Defusky, all I could think was like, oh my God, how do you grocery shop? Like, how do you do all the things that you need to do? Very efficient. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah. You, have, you have to be a much better planner than I am. <laughs> out of milk. Dang. <laughs> to make your own, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. to keep oh, livestock. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about, um, so for Osprey Island, do you do, is it a yearly thing where there's like an artist residency, like a set thing where people can go and spend a day all day being there? Um, so what you what I encourage you, as well as, you know, the listeners, is go and check out osprayislandfoundation.org. That is the organization that um, was, was put in place when Sandy was there, and they manage all of the trips, the creative day trips. They're creative, cultural, and educational trips that run to that island and anybody can go you just pay the fee and it's great because they shuttle you back and forth to the island and you could maybe do a turtle trip that might keep you there over the weekend which is highly recommended because wow. <laughs> the turtles are complete magic um, but yeah you can do creative day trips just on the northern end of the island and um, I just recently took a tintype um, oh, uh, workshop that was out there because I was kind of like you know Let's see. And, you know, the fun that I have, I call it fun. It is fun <laughs> with Polaroids and, and different kinds of photographic yeah. mediums. It's interesting, you know, to, to be able to kind of really take a deep dive into a process like that. And yeah. Of course, you walk away going, I don't know how people stuck with this, you know, <laughs> because it is really hard. And, again, yeah. another great name for a show came out of that, which was Chasing Light, because that is what you do yeah, when you yeah. have something where you have so many different layers that have to just go down just right in order to get that just right exposure. Wow. So, How long does it take to develop a tintype image? It all depends. It, it depends on everything. The humidity, the okay. temperature in the room. It was really hot back in July, as you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so they were doing like two seconds they were done. But then there were some that depending on the light, you know, in the later in the day, I mean, they take 
30 day, 30 seconds to expose them. And then you go in and you have a fairly short window development that might be three or five seconds. It's crazy. Wow. You know, it's like not like the Polaroid where it just spits it out and it starts it and you flip it over and you wait 15 minutes. Oh, no, you, you, don't, know. you don't shake it. I don't shake them. But I do. I do put them in little plastic sleeves and they are kept in the dark because that's where you're supposed to keep them so that you can see them later down right, the line. Right, right. So it doesn't just become yeah. a ghost image. Yeah, exactly. And that's always the interesting thing is, you know, because a lot of people ask me about some of those uh, fine art pieces that I do with the epoxy and everything because some of them have real Polaroids in them. Some of them have inspired me to do something else that may look like a Polaroid, but it's okay. not. Um, is, you know, I do, you know, it, it, it is, it's all evolving even after you get it there. I mean, you, you know, your oil paints and things like that over time, I mean, they, they, they have to be cared for. Yeah, and so yeah. It's the same process yeah. with, with the resin, um, you know, other than the fact that I really do try to um, look at using some materials that have some UV resistance to them mm-hmm. so that they will keep as long as they possibly can. Yeah. Does the resin discolor? It can. It's, okay. That's actually natural quality of the resin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's why I'm also looking at, you know, doing other things with other mediums, which I have not approached yet, but I'm asking, like, lots of questions to boat builders, which is really bizarre. Because <laughs> I think that they think maybe I'm building a boat. And I'm like, I'm not building a boat. I swear I'm not going to compete with you. But I really am interested in that gel coat, like how you put it on and can I tint it and can I do things like that's that? That's interesting. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think that that's just part of the experimentation and the discovery and the evolution of creating your own work is, you know, not necessarily looking at what other people do and kind of copying it into it, but, you know, just going, you know, what else can I do? Specifically, and yeah. it has that whole added dimension of it's for boats and the water and all of that all connection. The uses. Yeah, all the uses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I have so many questions to ask you just technically because I mean, I love how you have this side that's like the very traditional black and white photography, and obviously you have this real even family history of the development of everything, and then you are using all these resins and epoxies now. So I did want to ask, do you do you have one of the like the old eighties? Uh, Polaroid cameras, or do you have kind of the, I have the modern s- one? That I, I have them all. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't have them all. I would love to have them all. <laughs> I have, um, I do have, uh, you know, probably, I guess, a lot of the fascination started with um, just buying the small little mini Instax, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought, wow, this is way too much fun. And yeah. me and my sister would go to the Savannah Wildlife Refuge, and we would just, I mean, you know, the dashboard would just be covered with yeah. these Polaroids, and they're, they're fun to play with. In fact, when people go, oh, what should I do with my little kid? I'm going, well, buy them one of those. Because yeah. they're really inexpensive to, to yeah. work with. But um, I also have one of the wide formats that they have. I have an SX-70, which is the very first, one of the very first ones. And that's really fun to play with. And then I also have a Polaroid 600. And but I also have my Canon 5D, which I use and shoot a lot of digital with. Okay. Um, I encourage oh, like people you walk around with like iPhones. The technology on an iPhone is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know I, I'm I'm a firm believer. It's almost like I don't even care what you're shooting with. I don't even care if you're shooting with anything. If you come up with a really beautiful image that is unique and it it, it conveys the message of whatever it is that you're trying to say or you just want someone else to kind of join you in with you on the idea, go for it. Just go for it. Go all the way, you know. Where do you get your prints made? 
my prints made. So some of my prints, well, actually, I've got a printer in my in my own studio that okay. I use, and that goes up to like a 16 by 20. But I have nice. ordered out to a couple of different places. But locally, I mean, I recommend... Um, um, you know, David Kaminsky, which is over at Savannah Color Separation. I mean, he does, a, but his stuff is big, large format stuff. Yeah. So it's only when I go larger that I actually look at, um, you know, places like that yeah. to go. Does he print on campus too? I believe yeah. so, yes. Yeah. David does everything. Okay. David <laughs> is like the wizard, okay? That's a wizard. He is the wizard. Well, you know, interestingly enough, one of my very first graphic design jobs, which was Elaine Longorder, Longorder and Company, and, you know, again, coming right into when technology was coming into graphic design, David pulled all of our color separations that we would ship off to magazines so that they could do, go to print with our ads. And, you know, so David was a really great person to be around with, you know, as a, whole history. as a young, you know, designer, because, I mean, he knows everything about color. He knows everything about scanning and, you know, just being meticulous about the end product and how to achieve that. So, you know, even professionally from an early point, I was surrounded by really smart, really good, very technically yeah. apt people. I mean, you keep talking about into technicals, like, go talk to David. Like, <laughs> that's the technical man. I love that Savannah still has people who do things like this where you work with your hands and, like, like bake camera, places to, like, repair yeah. cameras and yeah. stuff like that. You know, I love that we still Yeah, bake camera's awesome. I mean, when I was little... Worldwide camera, which is no longer there anymore. Yeah. I used to, I mean, that's where I like hung out a little kid. I'm like, man, this place is uh, awesome. I feel like you and David Kamiski could do a show together where it's like your two errands <laughs> the ages would be really cool. Uh, yeah. It sounds like you'll all like crossover. Yeah. yeah. The color separation and everything is so yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's probably a good time for us to take a break. A so, station break. Yeah. So we'll be back after some station announcements. Okay. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Trees are one of Chatham County's most treasured natural resources. Beyond their beauty and cultural significance, the impact of trees are far-reaching and compounding, spanning from economic benefits to health improvements to climate change resilience. Trees are woven into every aspect of our lives. Savannah Tree Foundation protects and grows Chatham County's urban forest through tree planting, community engagement, and advocacy. More information is available at savannatree.org. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at brighterdayfoods.com. What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming. And it doesn't just mean that we're a voice for the community. It also means that we're counting on the community to keep us going. And you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community-focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go 
to WRUU.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 FM. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is Tamara Melissa. We're here with Joy Dunnigan, continuing to talk about her beautiful photography, documenting the islands. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, you have your whole uh, traditional black and white photography, and now you've broached out into doing these really cool three-dimensional pieces that have different levels of art to them and their photos mounted and then covered in resin is that right that's correct that's correct yeah um i typically refer to them as construction projects i mean they do take a lot of time and they are really hard to do however um I love them when they're done. And that's probably the biggest satisfaction of it is that, you know, from my day-to-day job, you know, there's there's projects that take, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Maybe they take a couple of days. But those projects, I mean, they can, I think, start to finish. I mean, they can be anywhere from a week to two weeks before I can get one finished. And that's even, you know, just the actual constructing part of it. Um, But the concept lives in my head, like... You know, most of the concepts and things I have to come up with with my day job lives in my head. I refer to it as I, I have an incubation period. <laughs> yeah. Somebody will say, I need something, and I'll be, I just like immediately start thinking mm-hmm. about it. There's so much hard work when I finally get to that idea, and I'm really happy with it, that by yeah. the time I get to the end of it, I'm like, wow, it's a lot of work, but I'm happy yeah, with it, because they're right. not inexpensive to produce. No, I imagine um, not. But the, but the structural part of it came actually from working with the Polaroids. For some reason, you know, I mean, who doesn't love a Polaroid, right? It's really wonderful. It's small. It's nostalgic. But you always think, wow, oh, that could be bigger. But then it's like if it was bigger, then I probably wouldn't love it as much. Mm-hmm. So the idea was how to give a Polaroid a larger presence. Oh, okay. So it was actually the idea of putting that Polaroid onto something that was larger that actually complemented yes. and that's where you know then in turn it's almost like a really big frame for it but you right the frame, yeah it's designed as well and i think it's really beautiful where it's so it's a you know and the whole thing is they're always square right for now yeah <laughs> so it's like i've done some that are they're a different size and i mean i don't know why the squares work great but the other ones was well, like no we're not working <laughs> this so. i love i just i love that it's like you know the the foreground where it's literally 3d so the the, yeah. polar, the main image the polaroid is closer to you the viewer and then it's mounted onto a larger piece that's like you've also obviously designed and created and it's like a like a fuzzier vaguer color scheme of the polaroids it's very beautiful they're thank very you. dreamy thank you and then the resin that's technically hard to do you have to I mean it has to sit in the hard for a long time and nothing can like float on it or else then you have a hair or dirt in it like that must be hard yeah to and it's, it's like a science experiment and it is it's very thermal and I didn't realize that at first I had to learn that the hard way and I know probably everybody that's been using resin for a long time is laughing really hysterically at me now and that's okay but um no uh you know I just happened to, you know, mix a little bit more than I needed one time and left it in a, in a plastic cup and, uh, you know, went back half an hour later and went to, like, pick it up and it was hot. I mean, it was, like, hot, hot. And I thought, what is happening? And uh, that's when I realized, oh, yeah, you shouldn't, don't don't use a thinner plastic cup by all means because the next day it would be all over the table. But it's, it's interesting to discover things like that. But you're right. The resin is tough. I have to, like, have a complete mindset when I do it. 
Um, it does take a full 24 hours to cure, okay. and it is a babysitting job from a, at least the first six hours of it. You know, yeah. the larger the piece, obviously, the more difficult because you know you can't cover anything, and you you really do have to watch it. And yeah. having worked with resin a number of times, you learn how far you can take, you know, dipping anything in and out of it. So yeah, but it's like, oh no, now we're on to a new pour. That's just great. You gotta go through this all again. So but the heat is also very interesting because I tell people a lot, you know, before I pour those pieces, um they after after it's done, they look nothing like what I started with. Yeah. And so, you know, it's also that idea of as you were talking about, like some of the background images that I use on there, you know, I'm very selective about what kind of paper I use. Is it newsprint? Is it tracing paper? Is it this? Is it that? Is it something yeah. that's thicker? Is it something that's more porous? Um, because I select the color um, that I know I want to come through it. So that's meant to complement. And it's, it's kind of like you have to envision what's going to happen before. But technically, I really never know what I'm going to get. I just hope that I like it and it comes that's out. And yeah, I mean, that's fascinating because, like, where you're saying, like, if it sits and it gets super hot, like, I, the, in my head, I'm like, okay, so what happens to the materials that you're actually putting it on? Does yeah. that, like... The color must change. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah there has and to I, be a reaction there. There is. I'm sure there is. Yeah. And because there's been papers that I've used that it's just like, no, 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 do not pour <laughs> resin on this again. Yeah. You know, because so you, you, you've you, really done, like, a long process. You almost have to take notes in a notebook of which... Oh, there's a there's work. a notebook, all right. <laughs> there's <laughs> a long, long list of instructions. I mean, just how fine already these pieces are. And then you said you delved into like putting mica in them too so they're sparklets really yeah, yeah. materials yeah, yeah yeah they're really interesting <laughs> I, I like to refer to my the when I use the ones with the mic because I'm a big Andy Warhol fan I usually mm-hmm. refer to it as diamond dust because that's what it reminds me yeah, of, you yeah. know, and you love those pieces mm-hmm. in particular, be, not just because of the color that they have, but, you know, the dimension that, and texture, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that visually those pieces bring to, you know, Superman or Mickey Mouse or whoever he did. They're yeah, really kind of cool. Yeah, and it's so different to see, I mean, in person versus just seeing an image yeah. of it on someone's yeah. website, which leads me into, I wanted to ask you, you have a number of, you show in a number of different places, and I think you have a few special exhibitions coming up. Can you talk a little bit about all your ventures right now? Yeah, well. <laughs> Um, you know, I think we've talked about, you know, that I'm at Kobo, so that's continuously and ongoing, and we, we rotate the gallery all the time. I say all the time, you know, like every quarter or something like that. Yeah, can't really keep up time. with it, but that, that typically um, um, encourages a, a changeover in artwork all the time, and that's where, you know, new and different things are coming out, things I didn't know I was going to do, it ends up there. Um, but, but good stuff. Um, so let's see. So I just finished up the the hospice show, which was um, last Thursday um, in September. So the Oswald Island Foundation. Mm-hmm. I encourage all artists. This is a great way to support the Oswald Island Foundation. They actually have an art show, and I think the deadline for dropping off artwork is like September 14th. Okay. And uh, there's some good fun surprises that come along with that for artists. So. Um, oh. Uh, I definitely think people are going to so I'll definitely have a piece there Um, and then my great friend Peter Roberts at the Location Gallery um, uh, he's invited me to a very special show in October which I don't have too many details about just yet but it's um, there's a small group of us that are going to be doing it and it's going to be really fun and really cool about the same time I think is the um, uh, the third week of October I think it is But then, you know, you break into November, and then it's all the holiday stuff, and um, I do normally, 
um, support the Arts on the Coast, which is in Richmond Hill. Yes. That's our local arts organization, and that's a really fun group as well, just yes. like the fun group at Cobo. It's really fun. <laughs> there is. I mean, everybody's doing something different, so it's, yeah. it's really great. Um, so there'll be a lot of small shows like that leading up through the holidays. And I'm sure okay. we'll do one at Kobo as well, for sure. Yeah. We'll do a holiday oh, we show do. at Kobo. Nice. Yeah. And we'll, yeah. we'll definitely in our show notes, we'll put up your Instagram and your website so people can follow you. And awesome. Um, so tell us about, so you started your own gallery, PhotoPoint. Yes, PhotoPoint's been around for eight years. Oh. And, um, you know, my husband and I, well, he has, he has a garden center. And, you know, I've got my business. So, you know, we, we finally managed to buy our own um, piece of commercial property in Richmond Hills, right on the main drag in, in Richmond Hill. And um, when we first got into the building, I mean, we opened up the front room and I went, oh, I have a great idea for what's going to happen yeah, in here. Nice. And at the time, there was not a lot of places you could go in Richmond Hill to see local artists. Outside the fact, a lot of my friends are local artists. So to have that ability to show that work in a pretty effortless and non-pressure-driven environment, that's what I do there. So, yeah, so it's, it's worked out really well. It's super, super well-received in the, in the community, which was kind of our idea. You know, we're like, there's not a lot of this here, so let's see what we can do. And we weren't really going to, I think, dedicate that space to anything else. And we, we get a nice response. A lot of people will come in the front door and they're like, am I in the right place? And I'm like, where the garden meets art. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay. And they're like, then they start looking at the art and they forget that they came there for the garden center. So it's a nice little tucked away place, but um, it's small. It's manageable for me. And uh, we hold a couple of big shows there every year. And the one that we've got in place right now is the Arts on the Coast annual exhibit, which we've hosted now for six years straight. Okay. Yeah. So, so the coast has they have their own they have their own gallery and then, and then we partner house. with them for this one yeah okay. Yeah. Can people, are those two galleries, are they open at the same, like say you live downtown and you want to take a trip out to Richmond Hill and see some art, can you go to both those galleries at the same? Yes, so Go to Point time? Gallery, we're open Monday through Saturday, okay. all day long. Um, the Arts on the Coast Gallery is a little bit different. I believe it's Tuesday through Friday, and it's mainly the middle portion of the day, like say between 11 and 2 or 11 and 5, something like that. Okay. So, and then they'll have the, like a Friday exhibition <laughs> every so often. Exactly. The visitor center is pretty much open, um, you know, on a, on a regular basis anyway. So even if the visitor center is open and yeah. they're not, I mean, you still can go in and see the gallery. And then you are a member of Kobo, which is a collective gallery. What, is, what does that mean and, and how does that work? So Kobo Gallery is really cool. It's really just such a great group of artists. Um, you know, I had toyed with the idea of just, like, looking at them until, um, you know, I had one of the members at the time actually approach me about joining. And it's like, funny, you know, I've been oh, looking at that. You were scouting. So, uh, yeah, a little bit, you know. Um, because, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely a level of the type of work that's there. It's very contemporary. Um, and uh, it's really, I mean, everything about it is really high quality. Everybody yeah. puts together good work. And yeah, the craftsmanship is very It high, is right? phenomenal. I mean, it, it feels weird to say it, but it feels like everybody there really knows what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine a little graphic designer coming here and going, oh, my God, I have never been in, an, you know, in a gallery before. But I'm like, I think I can feel my way around and figure this out. In fact, Morgan Adler, I used to bother poor Morgan to death. I'm like, took you find no, I was like, okay. don't you find it funny? It's like you have a you have a BFA from SCAD. 
and painting, and I have one in graphic design, and you know how to do this, but I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> how did that happen? So I'd always quiz her on all kinds of different things, but it's a great group. There's 14 of us there right now, yeah. and it's everything. There's sculpture, there's painting, there's photography, there's fibers, there's... Um, you know, we have Jessica Pope there right now, you know, and she does a lot of really amazing upcycling pieces and fabric works and uh, Marta McWhorter's there. And, you know, Marta's yes. just, that woman is amazing. She <laughs> just, you know, you talk about having to work with something as trivial as resin, you know. So like we ever get into, like, a really tough spot, we all run to Marta and go, Marta, what do we do? <laughs> because Marta knows how to do everything, okay? But, um, no, it, the best part is is the fact that it, it's a lot like going to back to school a little bit because now, you know, I have my advertising and marketing agency, and it is really, really, God, it's so serious. Um, but you come into Kobo and there's just this fantastic group of artists and we're all doing the same thing, but we're all doing our own thing. Mm -hmm. And it goes together so, so well. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, cooperative, any kind of cooperative can be really, you know, when it gets into relationships and dealing with each other, it can be really trivial. I mean, that's just the nature of being around people and working with people, mm -hmm. but yeah. um, and a bunch of artists together is like oh yeah, really I mean, cats. We all, I mean, we do. We all yeah. get on so well together, and and we really do love what each other is doing, and we're also encouraging of helping each other. And I mean, you know, it's you know, call up Daniel and I'll ask him a question. He's just like yeah 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 yeah, and he'll just sit and talk to me, and yeah. it's like wow, you know. Yeah, to have the support as well from yeah. the group, as well as being part of the group and being able to support into Right, you're glad you yeah. you were nervous. That you took the plunge. It's great. It sounds like you never done that before. I was like, what? Okay, so yeah, it is good. And then I think that that's that that whole premise is probably why it has sustained. Mm -hmm. You know, for so long we just celebrated 15 years in yeah. um, in May. So. You know, any small business that lives past five years, yes. you know, is miraculous. But the fact that it's an art gallery that has survived that long yeah. is pretty, pretty incredible. Can you talk to us a little? We always like to ask artists how the difference between introversion and extroversion, because you're working from home alone, <laughs> toiling away with your experimental things, and then you have to, you know, you work at Kobo, so you're there all day talking to tourists, selling. I know what that's like. So no, I get to talk all day about art. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Do you find is one do you find it easier to be working alone or you crave being around people or which one is easier I think you, you got to have a nice balance of both. Yeah. I mean, I think if you don't work in your own realm for a certain period of time, you're going to lose who you are as an artist. And again, going back to studying at SCAD, one of the things I think that was continuously reiterated is that, you know, okay, we can give you all the tools and we can give you all the skills and we can give you all the, di the discipline that goes along with it. But what's really going to make the difference in the long run, what's going to make your work demanding or demanded upon is being you. But at the same time, just like in the design business, having a focus group, if you will, you know, I sit back there and I design all these brands and these logos and things, but you know, that's all fine and great. Some of the work is done, but actually taking those and putting them in front of people who have never seen it, who really don't know what the idea is, that's when you get the real feedback. And that's where, you know, going out and being around other artists is really, really important. Yeah. And I think also artists should, you can, it's impossible for you to look at 
enough art. Yeah. And continuously expose yourself to, you know, new and different things that are happening all around. That's why, you know, the Polaroids were very frightening at first because it's like, oh my God, they're going to change. But then I'm like, somebody did put that banana on the wall with a piece of duct tape in Miami. (laughs) You know, I mean, so that to me is indicative that, that, I mean, change is there and it's part of it. So, you know, the best thing you can do is embrace it and just know not to feel like you have to do the same thing over and over and over again. In yeah, fact, yeah. part of growing as an artist is experimenting and challenging yourself, yeah. breaking out of that comfort zone. And in fact, that, that other half of talking with other artists and being around other artists and sharing your work with other artists, that's a great way for somebody to, to say to you, hopefully in, in, a, in a very constructive way, um, have you tried that? Right. You know, and it might not be something you thought of. It might be something you are having zero confidence in, but you should do it just for the sake of saying, okay, I did it. It didn't work. Or I did it. Wow. I never thought that would work like that. So I think balance, balance is really, really important. In fact, it's interesting you bring that up because, and it's, I guess it's why I've really just kind of, kind of slid into this and gotten a little bit comfortable with it is, the marketing side, the, the graphic design business, that is the pressure. Mm-hmm. The fine art side of it, no pressure. No pressure. So it's like this continuous, and you know, I always find it really interesting, you know, when I come up with brands and brochure ideas and blah, 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 I just like take that thing and zip it right off to the client. I'm like, woo, go for it, you know? I mean, and it's because I guess I've done it so long, I just know where it's right and where it should be. Right. Mm-hmm. But the fine art stuff, I can't think of anything more terrifying than hanging it on a wall okay. and showing it to people. <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with me? But it's because that is very personal. Yeah. There's more personal attributes there to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's personal in that too. Yeah. But you just feel so vulnerable when you put your art up. You do. And, and but again, I think that's also the balance is that you you have to put it out there. Yeah. Because that's how you like grow. A life skill, really. That's okay. how you grow. Yeah. We have a couple questions we always ask everybody. Oh boy. It's our, our, inside the actor yes, studio. I was wondering, are you going to ask me what my favorite cuss word is? Because I got them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We would love to, but we can't say cuss words. Yeah, I know. So. <laughs> okay, I'll remember that. <laughs> so now that you're thinking about it, they're all just going to come flying out. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry for the bleeps. If you do, yeah, we'll put a full sign. Yeah. Um, I would like to ask if you uh, are walking on the street alone, do you have sort of a theme music or something you like that pumps you up that plays in your head? Oh, Moon River. Oh, okay. Yeah, the little breakfast at Tiffany's oh, never hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah, you he are a Savannah love, native. Yeah. He doesn't love Johnny Mercer. I mean, he nailed it. Sorry. He did. It's <laughs> no, a good one. Yeah. Um, who in your fielding can be either fine art or graphic design do you feel has been the most influential on your work? Wow. So, fine art side, I would say Warhol was like, wow, that's awesome. Celi Kandinsky, Ellsworth Kelly, I just love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Like that um, century. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you know, it's just the way that they tackled it. But on the graphic design thing, side of things, um, hands down, um, Malcolm Garrett, um, assorted images in London for many years. Peter Saville was in there as well. Um, but also Paul Rand. Okay. Paul Rand, the way he writes about graphic design and how it should work. In fact, uh, it's 
some of us asked me the other night, you know, it's like, why why you do all this finite stuff and then you give it to Peter and you do it? It's like, because, I mean, he's like said in like the opening paragraph of one of my favorite books that I found by Paul Rand um, in college was that, you know, design and art, all of that it, it is a social responsibility. You have to give back. And, um, yeah, so... I would say that that's that's where all that comes from. Um, I wanted to ask if you were not doing what you're doing, which is sort of two careers in one. Do you have any? <laughs> what else would you like to be doing? Well, now that I've life? been out to Osabaw and I've seen those turtles, it's like I would have been a turtle technician. Oh, <laughs> it's like really that's 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 a dream job. Wow, cool. that's a really dream job. I love that. Yeah, yeah, being out in nature. And, yeah, that would be super cool. Um, so you said you already said that you loved. Um, book by the guy about graphic design but what what book really speaks to you well that is the book that probably speaks to me yeah it's a it's a book called design forming chaos it's one of the very last books that paul rand wrote and um it is it's a full dissertation on graphic design and like i said i found it in fact i thought about bringing it with me today (laughs) because i was like it'll keep me on track but um you know just the opening page to that book sadly it's out of print but, um, you know, he talks about all the things, you know, that design should be and what design is and how it works. And um, the only last line in that that he said was something about, you know, that, that design is judgment um, or it's through judgment, intuitiveness, and uh, it's the product of endless compromise. Well, until I got a job, did I realize what that meant? <laughs> and now, and it's probably why the fine art work sometimes feels so hard to me is because I don't have, I am the client. Um, But the client's input on my design projects, I mean, yeah, it's like I feel like I put forward a a very, very good solution. But then they interject, and then I'm like, God, it really wouldn't have made it without that. And that's where you get buy-in from your customer, and they love what you've done, and they appreciate Mm -hmm. your talent. And and those are the things that uh, make you want to go on and do the next one. Very cool. Well, thank you. This has been fascinating. This is really great fun. So we will put in your Instagram and your website in our show notes so everybody can see all your upcoming shows and see your new work. Awesome. Thank you. This has been our interview with Joy Duncan. Thank you again. Thank you, ladies. (laughs) Mini interview. Hey, this is Tamara Garvey, and I'm with Jennifer Nolan at her show at Location Gallery. She has a whole show of beautiful animal portraits. Hey, Jennifer, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me on here. I'm so excited to talk to you about this. So we're in front of your giraffe painting. Can you tell us a little bit about this one? Sure, sure, yeah. Um, so I really liked how this one came together. I mean, I really like all of them. You know, when you do all these paintings and you put so much into them, it, they say picking a favorite is like picking a favorite child. It just yes. doesn't happen. But um, I guess... I guess this giraffe piece is, is significant in that um, it just it just came together. There's just it, all these creatures. I try to find like these really special moments yeah. in them and find beauty in places where you don't always find them. And this just in the curvature of the neck, the shape of the head, um, it, it just it just came together so wonderfully. But I think something that I r- really would like to focus on in my art, I, I do try to pull out. I want you to see their soul. Yeah. I want you to make that connection. It's you know? very the eye and then the muzzle are very expressive, like that, like the way it's holding his lips, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, we look at these animals, and they're not us, and they're they're definitely very different with different goals and and things that they do, of course. But you know, there, there's a little bit, there's little connections we make. 
um, and we can identify with yeah. them. And, and I see that in this giraffe so much. Um, and just the whole piece, um, you know, I, I use uh, real plants that are growing in my yard and friends' yards and other places, wild places. And this one I use honeysuckle. Oh. And um, it just, you know, the honeysuckle coming down, the tall giraffe going up, and I, I love that. Spatially, and this is just a, a visual thing, but spatially it just really worked perfectly. The tangles of the plants and that beautiful ne- arching neck. Yeah, um, and the, the echo is nice. The flowers blooming on it, and I tell you, the, the process doing it is always interesting because you get, end up getting a lot of honeysuckle juice all over everything. But in the end, it mixed with the paint, and it worked perfect. And, and I, yeah. Um, I just, I, yeah, I love how you obviously use the plants as like, it's sort of like an old-fashioned pressing to press it, in the egg it, it is sparkly. Exactly that. Yeah. It is a, uh, yeah, it is an old-fashioned pressing. Do you, and do you use plants that the particular animal eats, or is it well? There random? is a connection um, with each piece, and but for different reasons. Sometimes it tells a story. You know, somehow a connection. Like once it was a sea turtle, and I also had like um, indigo in it, and you know, it was just they, you know, oh, kind yeah. of tied to like the history a conceptual of our thing. And then sometimes it's uh, more of a visual. Um, you know, maybe the plant mimics, like with the one I did, the puffer fish. You know, that round puffer puffed up, and so the plant I used there um, mimicked that round shape. And this one, it, it was again visual. I like that yeah. hanging down and the draft coming up, and it's, it's like this meeting in the middle, sort of like how. Yeah. Yeah. We meet the, the animal with our connection to that. This is where the plant meets the animal. It looks like he's just in the process of munching on the yeah. vines. I love yes. that. <laughs> yeah, so that's, yeah, that's what we all do. This so. is yeah, well, every, you have to come down and see the show. It's up through the end of summer, we're th- I'm thinking the end I'm of September. Yeah, yeah, yes. it's beautiful. And Location Gallery, which is open every weekday, right? Uh, correct. Um, okay. I believe we're closed on Sundays. And... Um, most of Saturday. Well, it looks beautiful. Thank you so much. It was lovely to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Here are some fun and arty events that are happening this week. Friday the 2nd is First Friday. So like always, there are tons of artistic activities going on in Starland. Um, also, Friday the 2nd is the opening of the Collective Face Theater Ensemble production of Quilters. It's a musical celebration of the immigrant experience of women pioneers stitched together by music and stories from quilt blocks. Also, Friday the 2nd through Sunday the 4th at the Bay Street Theater is a show called Rockabye. It's a queer and BIPOC-led musical about a teenage rock band that gets hired to write a lullaby for the Eldritch Horror Azathoth. Beginning Saturday, September 3rd, applications are open for a booth at the November 12th Slam Art Show. Sunday, September 4th at 7 p.m., there's a showing at Plant Riverside of the movie Grease. Through Saturday, September 10th, there is an exhibition of oversized mixed-media weavings at Savannah State in the Kennedy Fine Arts Gallery by the artist Gabrielle Torres. Now through September 16th at the SCAD Gutstein Gallery, there's a group exhibition called Supernatural. It's a juried exhibition of work by SCAD students, alumni, faculty, and staff. Supernatural delves into all things otherworldly. Through September 30th, the Mobile Arts Gallery at the WW Law Library has an art show called Past Presence commemorating Juneteenth. There's more info on Sulphur Studios' website. Through summer, uh, Jennifer Nolan has her 
show at Location Gallery, Paintings of Animals. And now up next on WRUU, That Old Savannah Magic, from 4 to 6 p.m. Also, we're excited to announce that on the show Theme Stream tonight from 10 to 11 p.m., in honor of our interview with Joy, Rob will be playing songs with a photography and camera theme. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. (laughs) 